Hello, and welcome to the Seminole Wrap, a podcast about all things Florida State. I'm Tim Allenball, and tonight I am joined by two of Tomahawk Nation's finest. I have Joshua Pick with me and David Stout. We're going to be focusing on Florida State football recruiting. We're going to talk about the past few weeks. We're going to talk about the upcoming weeks and maybe talk about a future commit that could be happening in a few days. All that and more on this week's Seminole Wrap. All right, as I mentioned at the top, I am joined by two of Tomahawk Nation's finest. They are, they are the recruiting gurus, the minds behind the recruiting thread and all things interviews. Uh, first, Josh Pick. How are you, Josh? What's up, boys? Where's uh, Josh? Tell me this. Where's the latest place you uh, went and covered? Uh, I was down in Ridgeland, South Carolina, which I've never been to. Is normally the Canadian Open, but because of COVID, they didn't have the Canadian Open this year, so... It was the Palmetto Championship, which is like an hour north of Savannah. Always on the move, Josh Pick. We're lucky to have you tonight. And then also joining me, you know him as Noel Through and Through on Tomahawk Nation. We know him as David Stout. We all know him as number one in our hearts. David, how's it going, buddy? It's going well, man. I'm just excited that Josh is with us tonight. The world needs more Josh Pick, so we're, we're here to give that to you. <laughs> the world needs more of the both of you, all right? So uh, love fest aside here. Uh, excited that you boys are joining me excited over the uh, next 40 minutes or so when we cover Florida State recruiting because I got to tell you guys Florida State recruiting is hopping right now they are doing so much so often that it's hard to keep track of and just just to kind of recap like an overview of the last few weeks uh, two weeks ago they had their elite camp they had their mega camp then they had a big man camp in the middle of the week with a seven on seven competition. Then they had more players on campus. I think this week they're having another big man in seven on seven. I think that's actually today. And then even more players on campus this coming weekend. I mean, the guys are going nonstop. They're making up for the COVID dead period. And uh, it frankly has your head spinning. I don't know about you, David. I know you eat, breathe recruiting, but you've got to like be waking up at night in cold sweats going, oh my gosh, what did I miss this time? Yeah, it's, it's been crazy. And we knew that coming into this, I mean, I don't think anybody really knew how this recruiting cycle was going to work as soon as, you know, things got opened back up and all of a sudden you have so many prospects, all of a sudden they can go and make, they, they do the visits and, and all that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's really been wild, but I have to say this staff has really been embracing it. And the cool thing and something we've tried to preach in the recruiting thread is this staff isn't like gung-ho, got to land all these commitments right away. They're not going, you know, the Mac Brown style at Texas where they would have the whole class filled up by the end of the summer. Um, what they're trying to do is they're trying to cement the relationships that they've developed via Zoom or via the phone or text or whatever. And they're trying to get these guys to come back. And what they've been doing really, really well are two things that I've noticed is they're bringing kids in on unofficial visits, but they're not just like two hour unofficial visits. These kids are staying for several days, which is really, really interesting. And then they're also getting um, a lot of guys to agree to come back for official visits. And so what they're trying to do is get guys back through throughout you know, the recruiting cycle, get them back on campus and make sure that they can anticipate, you know, who's coming when and all that stuff, but really kind of cater the environment toward them, um, which I, I think they've been extremely successful. I mean, you hear 
it's like every day another kid is like, Hey, I just finished up my unofficial visit to Florida state and I, I got to get back here. Like I want to come in on an official visit. So they've really been nailing it with that regard. I've been really impressed. Yeah. And you, you mentioned that coming back and those guys that are unofficially and then saying they need to come back. And just like the last two weeks, you've had Jaden Gibson, the wide receiver from Florida who said that. And then today it was running back Katrin Allen, who guys are on, they're on the outside looking in for Florida state, but Florida state being able to seal the deal and get them back to campus is huge. Yep. Tolan, the linebacker, he's another one. I mean, it's, it's been really impressive to see how many strong, I mean, even you look at a guy like Elijah Pritchett, but I mean, Florida, Florida state, Alex Atkins is going against the two heavyweights in recruiting right now in Georgia and Alabama. And Elijah Pritchett's been on campus. I I don't even know how many times he's been on campus in the last two weeks, like three, four different times. And he's coming back more like they're really making moves with some of these guys. Yeah, and, and the one thing I really wanted to to focus on that you brought up there, David, was was the fact that most of these kids are coming on unofficial visits, which means Florida State is you know not paying for that visit. Those kids are coming on their own dime, showing that they want to be there. But it also is giving Florida State that leverage of saying, "Hey, let's use your official visit during the season so we get another shot at you." So they're not. Uh, I guess, wasting opportunities. In fact, they're creating more opportunities for themselves. Josh, real quick, why is that so important for Florida State to not have to use their officials right now, but they're getting them later in the season? What, like the groundwork that that's laying? I think the biggest thing is they're really just trying to, as, as David has mentioned, just build those relationships up now and then hopefully get them back during the season when, when the environment is just kicking, especially for that Notre Dame game, which is a, a, a big one that they've targeted. I'm, I'm sure they'll target that Miami date as well for guys like Marvin Jones and some other guys, but just build those relationships up and then hopefully get the team looking good and get that environment that, okay, this is somewhere I could see myself playing college football. And, and one of the advantages they've been using for these unofficial visits is basically kind of doing these, these mini camps where they're having these guys show up and they're, they're hosting uh, certain type of camps. And the first one we saw like that was the, the night before the mega camp, which was the elite camp, which uh, not a lot of people knew about. Uh, I think uh, credit to 247 sports, 247 sports. They were one of the first ones to report it, getting that Ryan Bartow hookup there. Uh, but Josh, what was the elite camp? Um, and how was that different than the mega camp? Well, I mean, I think they just, it was, it wasn't really a camp per se. They didn't publicize it so that they could have whoever they wanted to work out for them privately, because if they hold a camp, then they have to allow anybody that comes to work out. They can't say, Oh, you can't work out. We're just going to have this guy, this guy, this guy. So they didn't really publicize it. And they just, you know, all these guys were on campus and they said, well, let's see if we can get them to work out. And they all want to work out and you had some alpha dogs going up against each other. And, and that's just awesome to see. And, and the fact that the staff can get all these guys there and get them to work out and, 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 build some quality time with the guys you're really looking to impress and bring back. So David, we just talked about the elite camp and and why that was different. Um, But the mega camp then happened on Sunday with, you know, a thousand plus prospects there, kids from all over the state, not over from Florida. I mean, we talked to a kid that came down from Nashville. I mean, they were, they were coming from everywhere. Um, And while the mega camp gives those coaches the, the, the chance to maybe uncover a gym. I don't really feel like that's the, I don't feel like that's the focus of that camp. Like that's, that's not what that's creating. What's the advantage of that mega camp that's, that's uh, allowing Florida state to get ahead of maybe some of their rivals. 
So you are exactly right, Tim. I think it's it was funny to see the people who were freaking out about this idea of the mega camp because in their minds, they were thinking of it as a traditional camp style kind of a thing. Well, it wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. Um, something that Mike Norvell and his coaching staff have really, really really hammered home is just how much these guys love ball and how much they want to give as many kids opportunities as possible. And so by hosting this camp, which is something that Mike Norvell has done in the past, he's done this at Memphis. It's interesting because again, so many people are upset about this idea of other staffs coming in and they're like, Oh my gosh, they're going to poach our kids. Like, you know, the, the thing is, you know, all these people are thinking that, but Mike Norvell's over there playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. Because what's happening is these programs are sending good recruiters and good position coaches down. They're working with these kids. So while they're scouting these kids and putting them through drills, you know, drills and all that kind of stuff, Mike Norvell's evaluating the assistant coaches. And this is a way that he's gotten his reputation of being a great evaluator of assistant coaches and spotting these up and coming assistant coaches. That's what he was doing this whole time. Like, yeah, you know, he'd be in there and he, he shout encouragement to a kid going through a rep. And I'm sure he talked to some of the kids, but he's watching the coaches and and he's seeing how they interact with kids. And he's thinking in his mind, okay, my goal is that I want my guys on my staff to eventually become head coaches when I have to replace them could that replacement be right here? And we saw him talking to, to different coaches. Um, my heart, tw- you know, twittered a little bit when I saw the picture of him talking to Juwan Sider from Penn State, um, because Josh and I and a couple other people in the recruiting thread, I, I don't know, man, for like six years now, I don't even know how long it's been. We have just been clamoring for <laughs> Juwan Sider to come to Florida State. But um, the cool thing about this, and you, I think you really highlighted this in the article and in the interview that you guys did with uh, the prospect from from Tennessee. I thought that was really cool because that was the heart and soul of this camp. The vast majority of the kids who came to that camp, they're not going to get an offer from Florida State. They're just not at that talent level. And that's okay. That's totally fine because there were a bunch of other schools like Mercer, Alabama A&M, you know, Jacksonville State, a lot of D2 schools, all that kind of stuff all those kids got great exposure without having to travel to all these different places because a lot of families and a lot of these kids don't have the resources to do that. So the Florida state coaches were like, you know what, we're going to make this easy for you. We want to get you that exposure. Even if you're not coming here, we want you to, to make these connections with these other staffs. And I'm going to tell you what, man, I, that's going to make, it's going to be 10 years from now and we're still not going to know how far the ripple effects went from that. I think the amount of goodwill that this coaching staff bought through doing that is, I don't want to say unprecedented, but it's, it's more than I think we will even know for the next several cycles. I mean, they could have been make, making impression on 12, 13 year olds who are going to be studs in the future. And they're going to be like, you know what? I came to this mega camp at Florida state. That's the first time I really got an opinion on them and they've stuck with me since then. So, um, I mean, hearing all the incredible feedback from just different college coaches and high school coaches in Florida and parents and all that stuff. I mean, this, this sounds like it was a resounding success in terms of building really goodwill and relationships in the state of Florida. Yeah. And and we've talked about how Florida state is behind Florida, Miami and relationships, and they don't have a bunch of great relationships in Florida recruiting wise. And something like this can go a long, long way in that. And the other thing you're going to get out of this is seeing your own players coaching and seeing kind of the work ethic that those kids have. And I think that's an added benefit that probably isn't talked about very much. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. I think we saw, uh, you know, everybody's favorite Uncle Luke actually praising Florida State for what they did. We saw several coaches on, on Twitter and social media. And, and like David said, you, you might not know the impact because it could be that one of these guys that are lesser prospect because of this camp ends up getting an offer. Maybe they have a younger sibling down the road and they, you know, they're like Florida State was the reason my brother, you know, or my cousin or whoever got that opportunity. And, you know, I, and, you know, maybe they're stud. So I know we're talking hypotheticals, but to your point, David, you know, they were doing this at Memphis and it was on a larger scale, but it just didn't get the, I guess, the publicity that, that you get down in Florida. And so now, uh, like you said, maybe like unprecedented with what they did uh, at that mega camp was with just knowing that they did it with pretty solid organization without kids standing around for hours is uh is night and day from where we were yeah you're exactly right the the you know we've we've heard of slip-ups here and there where you know maybe a, a kid's name was misspelled or their position was wrong on a name tag and you know this was it's important to remember that this was kind of our first evaluation of this staff on a huge in-person event right like they've been here it seems like they've they've been here for three years now really they've only been here for about a year and a half and they've not been able to do something like this in person and so of course there are going to be wrinkles you have to work out um, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're talking about relationships and just with the transfer portal now, I mean, who's to say that some of these kids at this camp who don't, you know, maybe they get passed over by, by some of the bigger programs, they go to these smaller schools for a couple of years. And then they're like, Hey, I'm ready to hit the transfer portal. They may think about coming back to Florida state because that's where they had that experience. And so it's really cool to see Norvell and his staff, not only playing the short game really well, but these dudes are playing the long game really well. Well, I think. And so, um, you know, again, as Josh said, and, and we all keep harping on, you're going to have to have a good product on the field. You know, it's not like they have to come out there and win 10 games, but they have to make enough progress to where the coaching staff can sell its vision and say, hey, it's starting to work, but we need you here to make sure that it gets all the way. Um, as long as they do that, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what, there, it, someone asked a, a really good question in the recruiting thread that said, does this kind of feel like the 2010 class under Jimbo Fisher, where, you know, all of a sudden you've got Jeff Luck, you've got uh, LaMarcus Joyner join, and then all of a sudden kind of the floodgates open. And I will say that I don't know that Florida State has ever had a prospect who is a better recruiter than Tyler Hunter is. Um, and so I think they're going to take full advantage of that. And so you know, it, it, there's this excitement around around the recruiting trail for Florida State, and they're making great impressions. They have some great peer recruiters and Hunter, uh, Sam McCall, A.J. Duffy. You've got some bell cows in there. Uh, Alou Ba all of a sudden is like Mr. Yeah. Recruiter for FSU. I love that. Um, and Hell. so it's it's going to be really interesting to see what where this goes. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, Hill's doing a great job recruiting, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it, everybody's bought in. And, and, but like you said, you can't talk about, enough about Travis Hunter and what he's doing. Uh, I know one of the stats guys at Tomahawk Nation was doing something that currently Travis Hunter is the highest ranked defensive back ever on the composite rankings, which is insane. Uh, and the insane part, David, is uh, true to your heart. He might even be a better wide receiver <laughs> than he is a defensive back. 
You know, I love that, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let, let's uh, let's fast forward a little bit after mega camp. Uh, Florida State had the big man camp and the uh, seven on seven. I guess the main thing I wanted to call out there, Josh, was that uh, Elijah Pritchett was at the big man camp and got some personal workout time, I think, with the coaches. And uh, I mean, that's huge, Josh. I think is this like the, the third time, I think, in the last month or something like that's that? It. I don't know if we can even keep count. That's what David was saying earlier. It's hard to keep track with everybody, you know, how many times he's coming, but it's awesome. It's awesome to have someone that good that keeps coming to, to Tallahassee and working out with Alex Atkins is, is only going to further FSU's chances of, of landing him at the end. And as we said, it's Alabama and Georgia, and it might come down to a space thing for those programs, but Florida State's putting themselves firmly in the mix and they're not screwing this thing up. So they're definitely giving themselves a chance there. And another kid that was there working out was Cam East to tackle from down in New Orleans. And, you know, he's, he's a, maybe a plan C guy, but he's a good option as well if, if Florida State misses out on some of these big guns. David, I think you've said it a couple of times. At some point, Alex Atkins is going to land one of those big, one of those big dogs. He's, he's been in it with these guys. They love playing you know, video games with them on, on social media and different things like that. He's building such a great relationship. But at some point, it's all going to pay off and Florida State's going to land a stud out there. All right, here's my prediction. It's going to happen this cycle. This is the cycle that it's going to happen. And he could wind up pulling a couple of them. Um, I mean, I think I really like Florida States where they, where they stand with Elijah Pritchett right now. I really like where they stand with Julian Armella right now. He had an awesome unofficial visit to Florida state. Um, I think this is going to be the cycle where people really open their eyes nationwide and they're like, whoa, this guy, he's a heavyweight in terms of recruiting. Um, And we'll we'll talk about it soon, but uh, I think there's a good chance that after the the, uh, visit weekend of June 25th, there's a good chance that Florida State will have at least half of its offensive line class solidified. And so that's going to give them the opportunity to keep whale hunting. But as Josh said, they're being so smart about this because they're still, they have, you know, their top tier plan A guys, but they also have plan B guys that they're keeping warm, plan C guys that they're keeping warm. Um, and so it's, they're not going about this in a way where they're completely neglecting all of these prospects in search of, you know, a whale that's never we're going to come here, you know, unless it's for a, a free recruiting visit. And so I love the way that Atkins is doing this. And I um, also want to give a, a shout out to one of our newer contributors, uh, Tommy, who has been taking video for us at some of these camps. And I'm telling you all, if you're listening right now, go into some of those articles and do yourself a favor and watch the clips of Alex Atkins coaching. Like, we could watch him coach all day. He's so good at coaching these kids up. Um, so do yourselves a favor and watch some of those clips and just see how this staff interacts with the kids. It's really cool to watch. And something funny that I saw recently was Robert Scott on his official visit to Florida State. Coach Atkins is like, bro, you're trash. Like, you've got to get better. And like, it just blew him away. But he's like, hey, this guy's real with me. And he ended up coming to Florida State. And he was a All-American and some was as a freshman last year. So you know, like, I think, I think kids, you know, they probably don't want to hear it, but they appreciate it and they respect it. And, and he's a real dude. And so that's huge. That, that I hadn't heard that story, Josh. That's awesome tidbit. Uh, but definitely uh, you, you like to see kids that take that and respond, which Robert Scott definitely did. Uh, let's fast forward to this past weekend and highlight a couple of the names there. The first thing I wanted to bring up was a uh, four-star running back, Terrence Gibbs out of Winter Park. I'll kind of toss this out to the either of you. 
uh, whoever wants to take it. I, I, I'll be honest. I don't know a whole lot about Gibbs. I, I know that uh, Florida is kind of where, where everybody thinks, but go ahead, Josh. I'll just say, I'll just put it out there plainly. Don't waste your time, Florida State. <laughs> and I'll let David finish off. He's a legacy, right, for Florida? I mean, leg- legacy or not, I'm just going to put a period on what Josh okay. said. I, I don't understand. I mean, I get it. Maybe it's a goodwill thing, but – he's not coming to Florida state. He's going to be a Gator and you know, that's fine. Whatever. Um, don't waste your time anymore. Florida state. <laughs> All right. But uh, good that they got him on campus, at least and maybe plant a seed, maybe in the future for when he transfers from the Gators. All right. Uh, <laughs> next up uh, commitment. Aluba was there. I mean, you love to see that Florida state got him early and he is definitely, um, he's definitely, become an active recruiter as you all said and the fact that he's there with some of these other players and in their ear I think that's huge right and it's another uh, connection to IMG which is really really nice because you have AJ Duffy already now you've got one of AJ Duffy's top linemen that he's playing with so they're already going to have a relationship playing together um, and Aluba has been awesome with the recruiting trail he's super excited about Florida State um, he's definitely in the ears of some of the other offensive linemen we're going to get to soon um, but just seems like a great kid really really passionate about wanting to get better and I think that he's really going to benefit fit from the coaching of uh, Alex Atkins. And it's been good to see him reshape his body because he was a kid that, that put on a little bit of bad weight and it was kind of like, oh, what's he going to be? What's he going to, you know, this kid's got crazy potential, but is he going to live up to that billing? And, he, and he's working himself definitely into the right direction. And being at IMG can only help him. And then coming up here in Florida State is going to be huge for him. Yeah, I, I think Josh nailed that. I think that's probably a reason why Florida State didn't accept his commitment until it did. I think uh, Atkins and the staff wanted to see that he was serious about reshaping his body, wanted to see his work ethic, and he impressed them enough to where he got the offer. Up next is a a long, I guess, kind of rumored Florida State lean offensive line target, but he hasn't pulled the trigger. He's from the Tallahassee area originally. Now he's down closer to Miami. Uh, Daughtry Richardson, an offensive tackle. Uh, I guess – David, let me start with you. Is is this somebody that Florida State is still uh, really focused on, or have they backed off a little bit? I, I guess if anybody, if you would have said, what's a lineman that would already be committed to Florida State by, you know, June 16th, you know, everybody would have said probably Dr. Richardson, but he's not. Right. And this has been really interesting. And, and it was what we were looking at for that official visit weekend was, was he going to get the green light to commit? And I think had he been given the green light, there's a good chance he would have committed. Now, whether he would have gone public or not, I don't know, but um, at least the silent commit. But it's really interesting monitoring the offensive tackle situation at Florida State. All of a sudden, they've really impressed. I know we're fast forwarding a little bit, but they've really impressed um, Easton Harris Jr. They've got Cam East, you know, really interested. They're in great shape with Pritchett. They're in great shape with Armella. They just had two Bell Glade kids on uh, today for their camp today, I, either today or yesterday. I can't even, I don't even know what day it is half the time, but um, they're both really exciting kids, both play offensive tackle. Um, this may be a situation where he ends up going elsewhere because Florida state prioritizes other kids. And I'll tell you right now, he's either going to end up at Florida state or Miami. Um, If I had to guess right now, I actually think he's going to end up at Miami because I think Florida state 
I think he loves Florida State a little bit more than Florida State loves him. And Miami has has seen that crack. They've kind of crept in. They're trying to make him a priority. And so if that's the case, good for him. Um, I will say if he does end up committing to Florida State, he is your third best tackle in the class, very likely. Um, I still think he's a good player. I still think he's a take if you don't feel really good about some other kids. And I think Florida state feels really good about some other kids. So um, yeah, if you had asked me a month ago, I'd have been like, Oh, hundred percent. He's in the class. But now that FSU has made really strong moves with some of these other guys, I think that the board has shifted a little bit. And so I do think he may end up going to Miami. Yeah. And that's a situation where you've just got to be really careful and finesse that thing and, and not be negative with him. But at the same point in time, just be like, okay, well maybe we're not going to accept your commitment this time because we've, done a great job with Julian Armella and Elijah Pritch and, and Harris came up and he liked Florida State a lot. And you never know when Tay Woody is coming soon and Florida State likes him a lot. I know Coach Atkins loves Tay Woody and Krayshawn Sapp and, 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 and Richardson, like he's, a, as you said, he's a talented player and he'd be, he'd be a good player for Florida State to get, but he didn't, he didn't commit earlier. And now it's like, okay, right. you, might not be, you might not be able to commit until signing day at this point for Florida State at least. And it was interesting also to see that uh, Florida offered Daughtry uh, Richardson this afternoon. So uh, I'm not really sure if they're, they're trying to play some, some chess down there in Gainesville or what's going on, but that was interesting to see. Yeah, saw a lot of offers to uh, kids that Florida State's been big with here uh, in the past few days from the old Gators, uh, including the wrong Terrence Brooks, which was kind of awesome if you saw that on, on social media. Uh, I want to talk about Omar Graham here in just a second, but just a couple other names from the past weekend and some of the days that trickled afterwards. We saw uh, Juco tight end Anthony Lanfear. We saw former Florida State running back commit Cedric Baxter uh, a 2023 kid that's pretty good, Camden Fryer. He might actually be 2024. And get those 24, ones. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Florida State laying some groundwork, and good to see that they're not uh, closing up shop, shop on Baxter because that kid's a stud, uh, very powerful back. But I did want to focus on Omar Graham. After his visit, he kind of shut down all his other visits. He pretty much made an announcement uh, that he would be announcing his commitment this coming Sunday. Uh, and I mean, all signs point to Florida State. Uh, Josh, Omar Graham, a kid that I think he's a three-star linebacker, but somebody that the, that the staff likes a whole lot. Um, are, are you pretty comfortable saying that we'll be seeing him uh, announcing for Florida State this weekend? Yeah, I mean, unless you have some unforeseen catastrophe, I, I would go ahead and just say he's a lock to be a Florida State Seminole. Yeah. David, I know Graham's somebody that you have some info on, but we can also, uh, if he commits, we'll, we'll go a lot more in depth on a, on a future podcast. But any words you want to add real quick on Omar Graham? Sure. Yeah. Um, some of the, some of the people at TN were like, oh, are we sure he's a take? He's definitely a take. Um, and has and, been for a while. And has been for a while, as Josh said. And um He's somebody that Josh and I have both felt really good about uh, for a while. <laughs> we, we've we've not been so subtle in some of our um, upcoming commitment hints that we've been putting in the in the recruiting threads. But um, clearly loves Florida State. Clearly has a great connection with the coaching staff. Um, and I know that some people are worried about his size, uh, but I will tell you, he is another who is in this 
new prototype of linebacker. Um, and so, you know, he's not going to be a six foot three, 240 pound road grader. You know, he's not going to be that. He's going to be a smaller guy, more compact with the ability to go sideline to sideline, help in coverage. Um, but to me, the coolest thing about Omar Graham is he actually has a 4.2 GPA and he has, I think, around 40 offers, um, including some offers from like Yale and Dartmouth and Penn. Um, and you don't get those offers unless you're pretty darn smart. And so that's what you want to see in a potential linebacker, somebody who has high IQ and who, who can help, you know, call out the defensive schemes, call out what they see, communicate well on the field. I think Omar Graham can be that guy. So I'm excited uh, to see him go public for Florida State uh, on Sunday. And, and just one cool thing from his official visit, his head coach, Coach Harden Stranahan is not doing well. So he's unable to come up for the official visit. And Coach Marv did a great job FaceTiming him in so that Coach Harden was actually able to be there with Omar for his official visit. And there's just the details that Florida State staff is really paying attention to and, and nailing that stuff. Yeah, when I first saw those pictures on social media, I was just kind of like, what, what's going on there? But then you got the explanation, and uh, that was just a really cool minor thing that, like you said, Florida State paying attention to the details. All right, so let's let's look to the future. This upcoming weekend – uh, not not as packed of a weekend as the 25th, uh, but a few names to talk about. Uh, number one name with a bullet, Marvin Jones Jr. is supposed to be up for uh, for a couple days, I think. Uh, I, I thought I had read that he was going to be there tomorrow. I can't see that confirmed anywhere, but I know on social media he is saying he'll be there this weekend. Uh, so hopefully Florida State gets him in for a few days and continues to make a big impression there. Uh, David, I think you and I, have a little bit of a uh, uh, Florida State PTSD because uh, we're just kind of like he's going to end up at Alabama or he's going to end up at Ohio State. Uh, I know he still loves the school. He still loves the program. Uh, this is definitely another opportunity for Florida State to just continue to kind of push that that narrative with him. It is. And so so for all you uh, panicky posters who are always wondering about what Marvin Jones Jr. is going to do, he's going to be in Tallahassee. So so no worries. Um, but but I think you're right, Tim. This does kind of have the feel that we had the feeling of prior to Julian Armella's unofficial visit. Right. Like, you know, Florida States, they, they definitely need to kind of knock the ball out of the park to make sure that they're still in that top group. Um, they definitely did so with Armella. And I'm I'm pretty confident they can do it with Marvin Jones Jr. Um, his dad's definitely going to let him go through the process as every parent should let their kid go through the process. Um, and he's going to take visits to the Ohio States, to the Alabamas, maybe to a Clemson, maybe LSU. We don't know, but um, he's also going to take a visit to Florida State. And I think in the end, I do think blood is thicker than water here. I do think Florida State can land him. But again, just with Armella, they're going to have to show a good enough product on the field where they can sell him like, hey, you're not going to be coming here and winning four games a year. I think as long as they can do that, it'll seal the deal for Marvin Jones Jr. But huge to get both Marvin Jones and Julian Armella here for unofficial visits before the season starts. And you, know, you, you see those guys going to other places. It's just like, okay, are they going to come to Florida State? Like they've got to come to, and then they do. So the coaches being able to get these guys in for unofficials is huge. Uh, another name looking to be here this weekend is running back Jalen Glover. Uh, I, I believe he's a team act, teammate of uh, current commit Sam McCall. He's a guy that I, I think really wants to commit Florida State. David, to borrow a phrase from you, I think he's loving Florida State more than Florida State's loving him right now. Um, 
is he going to get the uh, the 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 green light to to commit, or is he somebody they're just going to continue to keep warm, Josh? Uh, I don't think he's going to get the green light yet. And and it's not that they don't like him. It's just that they have higher players on their board, like Damari Alston. And, you know, you've already got Rodney Hill in there, who's kind of a, a flex player like the Ja'Kai Douglas that they got last year. And a guy like Catron Allen that's on. And if they can get in there with Catron Allen, you know, he's just a better player than Glover right now. And, you know, we all love Glover, but that's just the facts. And and so it was interesting to see, again, we mentioned earlier about Florida offering some kids. And Jalen Glover is one of those kids that got a Florida offer today. And, you know, it's – Dan Mullen, you know, trying to a mess with Florida State probably a little bit, and also trying to get in Sam McCall's ear again, and say, "Hey, like you, you don't need to be with Florida State." Yeah, Sam McCall was somebody that everybody assumed was going to be a Florida Gator. I, I just want to call out real quick: Sam McCall, when he committed, was somebody that everybody was kind of like, "Ah, that's a shaky commit." I don't know, but he's been canceling visits to other schools. He's been super pro Florida state. I think he's kind of the unheralded other five-star in this class, but uh, yeah, it definitely, uh, definitely agree with you, Josh. That, that is, that is classic other school uh, shenanigans to try to get the teammate involved, to try to get in the other player's ear. So we'll see what happens with Glover. The other big name there is uh, Dalen Everett, cornerback, uh, four-star. I, I think he's at IMG Academy. Uh, another chance for Florida State to make it, uh, to continue to, to build, you know, inroads there. Um, Josh, do you, I, I personally don't know a lot about Dalen Everett. You guys are the ones that are just eat, breathe, sleep uh, recruiting, but this is a really good player. And the fact that Florida State's getting him on campus for, I believe, another unofficial visit uh, is huge for, for Florida State. Dalen, Dalen Everett's a kid from Virginia that transferred to IMG this past season. And Florida State, actually, when they offered him, they offered him on his birthday. So that was another thing that we're talking about, the details, like Florida State's on top of that. And he, he kind of – he told me it felt like a birthday gift, Florida State giving that offer. And and Florida State's got a chance. I'd say right now, if I had to pick, I'd say Clemson Tigers are the favorite for Dalen Everett. And I don't really see him as, you know, like Boz tight with a lot of the IMG kids. But I don't really see that Everett's in that mold. Everett's kind of more with – Kamari Wilson. I'm not really sure that Florida State's in a great spot for Kamari Wilson right now. So getting him on campus will be huge and and we'll see if Florida State can can make some moves there. Yeah, he's he's gonna be coming in for an official and uh, I'm I'm with Josh on this. I'll be surprised if he doesn't end up at Clemson. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I've said this about other prospects too. I didn't think they were gonna do as well as they did with Pritchett. I didn't think they were gonna do as well as they did with um, several other kids. I mean, even you look at Damari Alston who just came in on an unofficial and Florida State really had been losing ground in that recruitment. They're right back up there now and he wants to come take an OV. And so we've seen time and time again with some of these top prospects that Florida State can get itself right back into the equation. Um, he strikes me. So I'm going to throw a name out there that some may remember and some may not. Um, Cardell Thomas, who was a gigantic offensive lineman a couple si- um, couple cycles ago from Louisiana. He absolutely loved Florida State, loved everything about Florida State, but he was always going to LSU. Um, and FSU finished second for him. He had nothing but great things to say, but they weren't going to get him. And this almost kind of feels like that a little bit. And there's a couple kids in this cycle who I feel like, you know, maybe in that, in that mold of they really, really love Florida state, but you're just not going to win out for them on national signing day. But now that we have the transfer portal, 
you know, finishing second in recruiting maybe means a little bit more than it did last, you know, last few cycles. And so we'll see, they'll certainly swing their shot, you know, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I'm with Josh. I'd be surprised if he didn't go to Clemson. Well, and that's a situation where it's nice to already have Travis Hunter and Sam McCall in the fold. You've already got two five-star DBs. Bingo. (laughs) That's a tough problem to have. Uh, David, correct me if I'm wrong. I said unofficial, but it's actually an official visit, right? Yeah, he's coming in on an OV. Okay, cool. And and so right now, those are the main names we know. With the way that Florida State has been going, we'll see more names trickle in uh, over the next few days. And and like (laughs) with players like Hunter, he just randomly shows up at campus whenever he feels like it. You know, like like I said, uh, I think he's got his own spot there in faculty parking parking already. So uh, we'll see who else comes. But the the big week we want to point to is the week of the twenty fifth. Um, I'm just going to real quick read these names and then we'll kind of go back and go over it. David put this list together for me a, a few days ago. We're going to have uh, Quayshawn Sapp, uh, Kenyatta Charlton, Tay Woody, Jerron Willis, Horace Lockett, Jalen Early, Jarrell Powers, Caleb Artis, uh, Bishop Thomas, and Emory Jones. I mean, like you said, David, and like let's lead off with this. After the 25th, you're going to have a – you could really have – half of Florida State's offensive line committed and locked in. And, uh, you know, Alex Atkins and the guys are pretty much in the driver's seat with where they want to go for the rest of the year. Yeah, the theme for the 25th is like, where's the beef, right? Like You've got some enormous <laughs> offensive linemen, some huge defensive linemen. I mean, there's a good chance that, you know, you could see maybe three or four commitments coming out of that uh, time. But I'll, I'll highlight the ones that I know we feel really good about at Tomahawk Nation. And that is um, Kanai Charlton is one. I think that uh, I, I am not so... Um, I wouldn't be so surprised if he's already committed to Florida State. It's just a silent. Um, but kid loves FSU, absolutely loves FSU. And and he's definitely an interior lineman, right? He he translates best uh, to offensive guard. Uh, you got Quayshon Sapp, who is really feeling FSU as well. And it should be noted that some of these guys have said, hey, I'm going to commit on a certain date, whatever. That just means they're going to go public on a certain date. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're not going to commit somewhere before then. Um, Quayshon Sapp, we feel really good about. Uh, Atkins has made him a huge priority. He really likes Florida State. He's somebody that you could have play offensive tackle in a pinch, but he probably lines up best on the interior. Um, kind of similar to Alou Ba, now that he's kind of reshaped his body. Somebody you could have at right tackle if you need to, but, but I, I think they may like him a little bit better inside. Um, so I think coming out of it, Sapp and Charles Charlton are the two to really watch for the offensive line. Um, the one that I love that Josh brought up earlier is Tay Woody. Oh my gosh. The more I see of this kid, the more I'm like, I want him so bad at Florida state. So we already knew that he's a really good prospect in terms of, you know, he can play tackle. He plays right tackle, I think for his, uh, for his high school. So he can play tackle. He can also play interior offensive line, but he just lit up a rivals camp at defensive tackle. And I, and I mean, lit up, he was winning reps against some seriously talented, offensive lineman. Um, so I'm like, just get this kid to FSU and then you can have a pit match between Odell and Alex Atkins and whoever wins gets him on their side of the line. Um, but Tay Woody is a prospect FSU was in on early. Um, and hopefully that will pay dividends because he's really, really talented. Um, 
So I would say kind of really keep an eye on those three kids. And then the other one we're going to be watching is going to be um, Bishop Thomas, who is a defensive tackle. Um, he's already been to FSU several different times uh, for, for camps and for unofficial visits. Um, there are rumors that, you know, when, when he came in for measurements and stuff, he wasn't as tall as we believed he might be. And so I think there may be some consternation with that. Um, but if he is given a green light, he's going to commit. There's no doubt about that. He loves FSU you former teammate um he, he plays in a for an orlando high school right now bishop moore i think but prior to that he was teammates with um the boogeyman byron turner jr back in uh in um uh, new orleans in louisiana and so they have a connection there and i think if he gets a green light he'll be a commitment too um and, you know, the other one that, that is going to be really interesting, we kind of don't know how this is going to go, is going to be um, Jerron Willis, who uh, broke many a Florida State heart when he decided to commit to Georgia Tech because Georgia Tech has is, is at least telling him now that he can play safety at the next level. Um, I think they're probably the only ones telling him that because he translates really, really well to outside linebacker um, or kind of a hybrid position. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens when he comes and visits Florida State. Do they stay on that message? Uh, do they maybe waffle a little bit and say, oh, you know, you can you can try at safety. I don't think they will. I think they're going to keep, you know, hitting that message. I think they're really upfront with these kids. And so um, we'll see what happens, if anything, out of that. I know that they still would love to have him in the class. Um, I would love to have him in the class. I think Josh would too. So um, hopefully they can kind of get that little seed of doubt in there and hopefully it'll grow into a tree of doubt and he'll go to Florida state. And I think it's huge that he's coming with Quayshawn Sapp and, and getting those two teammates there together. And Quayshawn loves Florida state and they're going to be in his ear and they'll probably try and get Quayshawn to, to bring Jerron, you know, over to the good guys too. Yep. You're absolutely right. And so with this again, you know, you've got a committed already. We think they like him on the interior. You, you're in great shape for Charlton. You're in great shape for SAP. So if they end up giving the green light and all those guys commit, you've pretty much got your interior offensive line shored up. Um, and what I've been saying in the, in the comment section of the recruiting threads is I, I have the number six in my head. I, I think they'll probably take around six offensive linemen. And I think that they're looking for at least two true offensive tackles who that's where they project. That's where they're going to go. If they make it to the NFL, um, they're probably looking for maybe one or two true interior offensive linemen, but I think they're looking for up to three, maybe even four guys who they maybe translate best to the interior, but they can also play tackle in a pinch if you need them to, because we've seen, you know, FSU has been snake bit by uh, injuries on the offensive line. And so I think they're looking for guys who you can kick outside if you have to in a pinch, um, but maybe fit best on the interior. And so it's going to be really interesting. We could have half of them committed after this, uh, you know, as the summer wraps up and then that will allow them again to really focus on the guys like Armella, like Pritchett. Um, and it'll, be interesting to see what happens with with some of the guys they've made moves with who come back because you know it's funny we always talk about like Alabama and and Georgia and Clemson playing the numbers game and they can't accept everybody I, we could see that happen to Florida State this cycle I mean they may have to turn away some talented kids at offensive line because they just don't have that many spots and so going to be really interesting to see what happens yeah and those swing guys you're talking about we talked are Ba and Sap and and something just for Florida State fans to think about, like guys that are currently there that are swing guys or guys like Darius Washington and Devontae Love-Taylor, just if you can kind of picture that. And, and just a, a phrase that you've mentioned a couple of times we've mentioned is just if they get the green light. And that's just going to be something to keep an eye on because Florida State is in a good place right now and then they can turn down some commitments.
Yeah, and, and the crazy thing is, David, we didn't really even focus that much on Emory Jones, the offensive tackle out of Louisiana. You know, most likely is not going to land at Florida State, but um, this is, I think, the second time in, mm-hmm. in a month or two that he's been at Florida State already. Uh, so good to see that Florida State is still keeping that connection going. Probably not the landing spot, but still the fact that uh, he has some interest there. Well, and just yeah. something to mention there is Florida State had an in when his high school coach was like really like best buddies with Alex Atkins, and his high school coach actually took a job as an um, analyst at Louisville. So that kind of destroyed any chance, I think, of Florida State getting Emory Jones. Yeah, it's probably another Cardell Thomas situation. Probably really likes Florida State, but the pressure to stay in state at LSU is just too much. Josh, I, I couldn't help but notice you kind of gave me an evil look when you mentioned Louisville. I mean, just because I'm up here doesn't mean I'm supporting them, okay? <laughs> uh, one other name, uh, Caleb Artis, Artis uh, big defensive, defensive lineman. He's from up north. He'll probably stay up north, but a, a good – a good body to see that Florida state is at least again, showing some interest or getting some interest there. Uh, but after hearing you talk, David, I, I'm sold on Tay Woody. Let's get him in here. Let's get him uh, Let's get him somewhere. I, I'm there for the Odell Atkins, uh, you know, fight to the uh, fight to the uh, position, but uh, yeah, I, we'll I, cover I, it. I mean, Josh is out there covering all, all these PGA tour events and stuff. Like let's get him out covering, covering the rumble between those two. When, when Tay Woody comes to town. <laughs> yeah. Caleb artist is interesting. He's, when you watch his film, his, his competition is terrible. Like I'm, New York is not known for high school football and, and you can see it and you can see why in those, in those highlights, but really big kid and, and definitely raw, but he has the tools that you want to see. And he has an, just this relentless motor that makes him really attractive and, and I'm sure very coachable. Um, so Odell really likes him, but he's another one. I, I don't know if they would accept his commitment or not at this time um, because he's definitely not a plug and play guy. Just And I would say the same thing about Bishop Thomas. Um, FSU isn't really, yeah, even Daniel Lyons, I don't know that they're in play for any true difference makers right off the bat at defensive tackle. And those are rare to find anyway. Um, so that may be a position we see them maybe look to a transfer portal or JUCO um, or something like that. So they don't have to rush some of these guys in before they're ready. And you mentioned Daniel Lyons. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him go wherever Dante Anderson goes. And Oh, totally. Say, Package I'd, deal. I'd say the leader there has got to be Miami. Um, and, and David, to your point, totally agree about the uh, the JUCO route. I, I was talking to a guy that that has some connections. He thinks Florida State's going to try to take as close to a full high school class as they can. But if there's one position uh, that that probably needs a JUCO prospect or or a a transfer, it's definitely defensive tackle. They're doing work at offensive tackle. Obviously, Florida State fans are going to clamor for that. But defensive tackle is is one of the hardest positions to just plug and play. Um, and, and that's definitely a spot that we could see them go to a, another avenue than just straight up high school recruiting. Uh, Josh, back to your point real quick. Uh, Daniel Lyons was somebody that the Florida State's been, I, I guess, like has been said that Florida State really likes him. He really likes Florida State. But to your point there, sounds like uh, they're going to be a package deal. And right now Miami's kind of in that driver's seat. Yeah, I mean, it's just as far as I'm going to say, especially being from South Florida and, you know, those coaches have been able to build a better relationship with those guys than the Florida State coaches have. And, and they do. They do. They like Florida State a lot. But Florida State's got higher priorities at defensive end than Dante Anderson. And I just think he's going to end up at Miami. And he ends up in Miami. I don't see any way that Lions is going to come up north to Tallahassee. Yep. 
Well, fellas, this has been a, a good about 50 minutes. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I have to say this, like listening or, or being on this podcast and talking to you guys, it's like really like palpable excitement, like thinking, oh man, Florida State's really making moves. But this is day in and day out what you can find in the Tomahawk Nation recruiting thread. Uh, I, I often make the, the joke that Josh is a cyborg because I don't think he sleeps. I think he just puts out articles constantly, interviews people and travels around the world. Well, I think David's probably like a, an automated script bot because anytime I see an update on Twitter or something, if I go to put it in the recruiting thread, David's already beat me by three minutes. It, it's unbelievable. If you want updates, that's the place to go. Josh and David will be happy to interact with you and answer your questions. So I encourage everybody to go there. Uh, Josh, I'm so glad we got to catch back up again. I know you're a busy man. Thanks so much for making time out of your schedule for us, sir. Yeah, you know, as long as we're not talking about five stars becoming preferred walk-ons, we're happy to answer questions. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's 100% free and come join the thread. You know, it's a, it's a great time. David, if you can compose yourself, buddy. Thanks again. Love talking to you. I hope I can catch you guys early next week. We'll be talking about a Florida State commitment, David. Absolutely, man. Always good to talk with you boys and uh, look forward to the next time. Take care of yourselves. Yep. So for Tomahawk Nation, I'm Tim Allenwall, Josh Pick, David Stout. Thanks so much for listening. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. But more than anything, catch us on Tomahawk Nation. We'll be glad to take this Florida State journey with you. And that's a wrap.